As I think you know, beloved listeners, Prime Minister John Howard and I were born within days of each other in July 1939. But that's the only, not the only thing we have in common. Both of us have a lifelong hatred of the thought of retirement. He's, uh, he was kicked out, of course, in a catastrophic election result, and I'm still sitting here in the ABC studios clinging to the microphone. I mention this because in France, the right to a long retirement is central to the national identity. Indeed, at the age of 60, most French people are just about ready to ditch the workplace and embrace their golden years. So it, it comes as little surprise that the population is pushing back hard against a uh, proposed increase in the minimum retirement age from 62 to 64 years. And let me remind you that in Australia it is 66. In recent weeks, well over a million have taken to the streets in protest, but uh, President Macron insists his pension reforms are necessary to keep the system ticking over. Sophie Petter is the Paris bureau chief for The Economist and author of Revolution Francaise, Emmanuel Macron and the Quest to Reinvent a Nation. Sophie, he's not having a huge amount of success reinventing the nation in this regard. Yet, why is France's uh, current retirement age one of the lowest in Europe? Well, I think to understand that, you have to go back to the socialist president of France that you'll remember. That's Francois Mitterrand, who was elected in 1981. And one of his campaign pledges at the time was to bring down the French retirement age from 65 to 60. So a big decrease. And it was really part of a sort of um, policy of what was thought of as progressive politics of bringing about, uh, you know, a more a fairer society, a better society, a society in which there was less work uh, to be done by everybody. He was also. Uh, the Socialist Party was also responsible much later on for the 35-hour working week. So it, at the time, it felt like progress. This felt like part of what a better society should be. And that's why today, all these decades later, France still has the legal minimum retirement age, which is, um, well, it's now 62. But it goes back even further in history, because I learned from you that uh, the country's earliest pension regime was set up for the Navy in 1673. And to this day, certain categories of workers, like dancers at the Paris Opera or railway workers, can enjoy even earlier retirements. Well, that's absolutely true. I mean, France's pension regimes are so fiendishly complicated to understand precisely because of that history. So you have, during the 19th century, all sorts of regimes set up for different categories and starting uh, you know, most a lot of them is set up under Napoleon, in fact. But you have some of them are understandable. The dancers at the ballet opera, the Paris opera, you know, they really do get very uh, worn out, shot through their bodies, are completely, uh, you know, in a terrible state. So they need to retire. But then you have some of the regimes 
for example, that of the railway workers who used to have to shovel coal into steam engines and now uh, sit in, you know, relatively uh, easy to sort of operate environments. Um, but they still benefit from those regimes and they can still retire uh, in their in their 50s. So, you know, the, the, one of the difficulties in France is that it's so complicated to understand. People don't, each individual person doesn't often understand what their pension rights are going to be. Um, and that is one of the things that Macron had hoped to try and resolve by, by um, with, with the pension reform. Sophie, the pension seems fairly generous. It's, uh, in France, it's 1,400 euros per month. Well, it's not that for everybody. And this is the difficulty. You know, some people uh, have pensions that are well below that. You still, even if you get to the retirement age, have to have accumulated your yearly or your quarterly contributions. And therefore, it really isn't that that's an average, but it really isn't the case for everybody. And one of the things that Macron was trying to do with this reform was to introduce a minimum pension for everybody uh, so that you didn't, in fact, end up with something a little bit a bit fairer. But, you know, that that those elements have in some ways got lost in this debate because it has been so focused on the pension age and on the increase from 62 to 64 that a lot of the sort of other details have not been the centre of this debate. I am delighted to learn from you about a, uh, a socialist thinker called Paul Lafargue, who wrote <laughs> enchantingly about his notion of shorter working hours and a shorter working life. Introduce your Australian listeners to him. Well, he wrote this book called, uh, in French, Le droit à la paresse, which means the right to be lazy. And it was published in 1880. And in it, he argued for all sorts of things. I mean, one of them was a three-hour working day, which sounds rather wonderful, I think. But uh, uh, he, he also denounced what he called the madness of the love of work. And the interesting thing about this phrase, the right to laziness, is it's been reactivated by uh, one of today's parliamentarians, a, a Green Party leader called Sandrine Rousseau, and she talks about or she claims that the French still have or ought to have the right to laziness. So it is an interesting text that, you know, all this, all this, this over a century later becomes still has a sort of resonance in the French political debate. How does how does the retirement age in France compare with, well, say, Germany or Britain? Germany and Britain are significantly higher. You have uh, 65, 66, 67. Britain is actually increasing its uh, retirement age. And the same in a country like Italy, which is, uh, you know, doing the same. So you, you have just a very different setup in France to a lot of its com comparable big neighbours in, in Europe. And it sets France apart. But I think, you know, understanding a little bit of the context about where France comes from helps explain why it's become such a difficult debate. And to be honest, you know, you can sort of understand it. That it's, it's all very well to say to the French, well, you know, in Germany, they retire much later. But in France, you know, no one wants to retire 
later than 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 they already do, and and so it's not much help to be told that other countries uh, retire much later than they do. Talking to Sophie Pedder, Paris bureau chief for the Economist, it's been a difficult issue for any number of uh, French presidents. We have uh, Chirac attempting to raise the pension in '95, and he copped paralysing strikes, didn't he? That's right. I mean, do you remember those that winter when Paris was blocked? It went on and on. There were weeks and weeks, and those were really sort of difficult, tough strikes. The, the, there was almost nothing operating at all. And in the end, it was his prime minister, Alain Juppé, who had insisted he would go ahead with pension reform. But in the end, he shelved it. He just had to abandon it. The street was too strong at the time. Now, I mean, that's what we're looking at uh, again. And, and yet and Sarkozy tri- was relatively successful. You're right. I mean, he did manage to put the retirement age up, up a little from 60 to 62. So it's sort of been creeping back up. And Sarkozy did face down street, street, uh, street protests and strikes at the time. So it's not as if it is impossible in France, um, but you know the question is: we're right in the middle of that now. The question is whether whether Macron can do it this time. Now, Macron's first attempt uh, was shelved when COVID struck. I understand. That's right. I mean, he had this very ambitious plan to try and merge. You know, I was describing all these different regimes. There are forty-two of them, and no one understands anything really about their their pension. He he wanted to merge them all together and make something really simple. That had to be abandoned because then along came COVID, along came lockdowns, and it was just felt the really the wrong time to try and be be focusing on something this complex and that had already provoked a lot of strikes even before uh, COVID-19. So he's come back to the subject, but people are still as resistant as they ever were. And it's uh, it's no easier this time around. Apart from raising the uh, minimum retirement age, what else is in Macron's package? Well, that is, that is the centre centerpiece of it. And it's the absolutely sort of the symbolic change that it's more than symbolic. It, it's a real change for most people. There are other things. I mentioned the fact that there was an increase in the minimum pension that would be paid to all. Um, but it turns out in the detail that it's not quite as generous as it sounds, because unless you have been in full-time work, you won't be entitled to that. Um, so there are other, other, other elements of this, uh, trying to make it a fairer system. But it's um, it's it's still incredibly contentious in France, and mainly because of the centerpiece, and that's the increase in the retirement age. We no longer take polls as gospel, but how unpopular is the proposal according to the pollsters? Well, what's interesting, I think, is that it's been consistently unpopular. I mean, sometimes you find over time as the strikes go on and people start getting a bit tired of it, that they start to understand that it's an important reform to take place. Well, it's not been the case this time. You've seen nearly two thirds of people against the increase in the pension age, and that's been absolutely consistent throughout and I think this is the great difficulty. You know, if people are not convinced and haven't been convinced, despite the effort, the efforts of the government to try and explain that there isn't an alternative, that France, the French are living longer and they just have to work a little bit longer too. This must be a wonderful opportunity for Marine Le Pen and her ilk. 
Well, I think if you look at the sort of uh, scenes that have been going on in the National Assembly, where there's been a sort of riotous atmosphere, incredibly hostile, uh, some pretty nasty things said about, for example, the pensions minister on the far left. And meanwhile, on the far right, you have Marine Le Pen, who's been sitting there quietly, saying nothing very much, you know, looking relatively cooperative. And in a way, you know, she's the one who's ending up looking like the sort of uh, a cooperative democratic opposition, and 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 that is quite something for France, and it's it's uh, going to you know I think make a lot of people think about where France is going to be heading in in the, the next time that the, that it holds a presidential election in twenty twenty seven. There's also particular opposition from French women. Why? Well, I think it's partly because of the fact that even in the pension reform, even with the raising of the pension age, you still need a certain number of uh, yearly contributions. And because a lot of women have uh, quite sort of um, what they call chopped up career patterns in, in French that you have taken time out to raise kids or um, haven't had necessarily always full-time work, you, they may not still have the contributions that they need in order to qualify for that pension, even at the age of 64. And I, that is exactly where the, the debate has, has been centred around um, the, you know, how far it is fair for women under this particular reform. So we've had, uh, well, day after day of action, unions planning to bring the country to a standstill on March the 7th. And on one day, on January 31st, around 1.2 million people took to the streets. Why is Macron persevering? Well, I think he thinks that there is no alternative, uh, that the French are living longer, um, that they have a low retirement age and it's that their pensions are paid for under the French system by those who are currently in work. There's a hypothecated tax on those currently in work to pay for pensions. And the longer the people live, the more the burden on the people currently in work will be. So his view is that you have no alternative but to do this. I think he also wants to show that he still has it in him to be a reformer. Uh, you know, he was elected last year for another five-year term. He's come into office on a campaign pledge to do this. So he has a democratic mandate for it. And I think he wants to show that he is capable still of reforming France. You know, you went back to that first comment you meant, reinventing a nation. He wants to, tr he wants to continue to reinvent France. And this, I think, for him, is part of, uh, of doing exactly that. You've raised a fascinating issue in terms of life expectancy, which has increased quite significantly to the extent that a retired Frenchman spends an average of 23.5 years in retirement and a woman 27 years. Yes, I mean, this is because of this wonderful fact in France that people live to a ripe old age. And that's a great testimony to, to the country, its health system, to the French diet, perhaps, uh, all sorts of reasons. Perhaps even the fact that they drink, you know, red wine, it's been one of the theories for why the French live to a, to a, to a good old age. But as a result, that is what puts such a burden on the, on the pension system and the ratio of those in work to those on pensions and in retirement 
has just been going down and down over the years. Uh, that is that is putting the pressure on the on the pension system. And I think that, you know, unless they're going to have another other sort of drastic ways of resolving this, there is no alternative really to, to living to working a little longer. Now the bill has passed through the lower house and will be debated in the Senate. It's a huge battle, isn't it? It is, and you know, even and despite rather, or perhaps because of the riotous atmosphere in the lower house that I was describing, there hasn't even been time for a vote yet. There uh, it goes to the Senate. It uh, is probably will, will will pass in the Senate, but then you know there is this argument that's going to be made on the far left that because there was never time for a vote, the far left introduced thousands, and I mean literally thousands of amendments to in order to hold things up. Um, there is going to be a claim on the far left that there was there is no democratic legitimacy for this. So the trouble is, even if the pension reform goes through Parliament and comes out of the Senate and then is finally passed, there will be this claim on the far left that it was never voted for in the lower house. And this this is a real problem. So in a way, Macron has got his work cut out. He's got to find a way of explaining to the French why this is necessary. Um, and so, you know, that that is what the that's the work that remains to be done. So clearly, France is set for a, a period of unrest. Macron remains unpopular. I understand that his approval rating is around 36%. So he's spending a lot of political capital. He is. And I think that he is setting, you know, an awful lot of his own credibility uh, against this reform. I mean, he really thinks that this is the moment to show that he's got what it takes um, he is still within his first year of his second mandate, second term in office. So, you know, in a way, if he'd waited any longer, it would only get more difficult for him. Um, he, I think, feels that he can withstand the lack of popularity per- precisely because of the timing and because, you know, he actually can't run again as president. He oh, There is a two-term right. consecutive mandate for him. So in a way, popularity isn't what it's all about. I think he's, in some ways, he's... Uh, looking at his legacy and his legacy, he wants to show he can change France. Finally, is more immigration part of the solution? More young workers to contribute to uh, social security? Well, it depends who you ask, of course, doesn't it? But if you ask Marine Le Pen on the far right, she would say absolutely not. What the, the solution is, having having more babies, uh, higher uh, birth rate in France. Um, yes, in some respects, uh, immigration is an issue and there's a, the, is a potential solution, I mean. And there is a, a, a bill that is going to come through. Uh, shortly on on precisely on this, but that is an incredibly contentious issue in France. So uh, I I doubt very much there's a consensus for the for, for the, the the you know immigration being the solution to France's pension problem. Merci beaucoup, Sophie Pitter. Sophie is <laughs> Paris bureau chief at the Economist on the battle over the retirement age in France. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.